This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I have said for years that one of the most ridiculous questions anybody can ask is, do you believe in UFOs? And for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to use the terms UFO and UAP interchangeably. They both essentially mean the same thing. A UFO is an unidentified flying object. A UAP is unexplained aerial phenomenon. For the purposes of this, of this discussion, I may m- m- go back and forth. It's like Twitter and X. They mean the same thing. The reason it's a ridiculous question to ask is, is of course, UFOs are not a – they're not a – they're not subject to your belief. All it means is that they're out there – They're in the sky. You look up and you see something you can't identify, and it's flying. That's what a UFO is. And we've seen instance after instance of people seeing objects, including highly trained military pilots, that they can't identify. So we know these objects are out there. So the question is not, do you believe in UFOs? Any more than the question is, do you believe in gravity? Do you believe the sky is blue? Do you believe the sun is hot? The question really is, what do you believe these UFOs or UAPs are? What are they? Because they could be any number of things. I've heard a whole bunch of different suggestions. I've heard they could be experimental military aircraft. I've heard they could be uh, extraterrestrial. I've heard, including from the head of Arrow, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, that if they're not extraterrestrial, maybe they're foreign actors. Maybe they're Russian or Chinese. I have heard the suggestion that maybe they're not military aircraft that are being developed by our own government. Maybe they're military aircraft being developed by a high-end military contractor. They could, we don't know what they are. I've heard even the suggestion that they could be time travelers from the future. But some people believe that there may be extraterrestrials. I, I don't know what to believe. I believe that they're out there. And I'd like to find out what they are. And that's why I was so pleased to see... A bipartisan movement in this country with Republicans like Marco Rubio, uh, Nancy Mace, and many others join with Democrats like Harry Reid, God rest his soul, and um, a number of others, including Mark Warner from Virginia, Kirsten Gillibrand from New York. It's a bipartisan issue. And they had these terrific hearings looking into the UAP issue. And in the midst of this, in the midst of heightened interest in the UAP issue, here comes 
Senator Chuck Schumer. You say what you want about Chuck Schumer. The guy knows which way, generally, the political winds are blowing. He is able to position himself at the forefront of any trend so that he can then take credit for it. I mean, that's what the whole basis of his Sunday press conferences are about. And let me take you back in time to July when Senator Schumer introduced UFO legislation. Here was Senator Schumer on the floor of the U.S. Senate. And finally, I'm pleased the NDAA will include my amendment on increasing transparency on UAPs or unidentified anomalous phenomena. UAPs generate a lot of curiosity for many Americans. And with that curiosity, sometimes comes misinformation. So my amendment will require the National Archive and Records Administration to create a collection of records. Can we pause for a second? You know, this is the thing that always kills me about Schumer. And the guy is a smart guy. Uh, he talks to people like they're, they're in the third grade. He reads, I mean, he's reading this statement about this legislation. And I want to be clear, I agree with the legislation that he's introducing. But he's reading this statement about this legislation like like I would read my pet goat to a preschool class. You know, it's funny. I was um, with Carmine recently at another two-year-old birthday party. And my friend Arthur, whose daughter's birthday party it was, he said to me, because I talked to Carmine the way I would talk to you. I talked to him like he's a peer. And Arthur said, so you talk to him like he's 40 years old. I said, I talked to him the way I would talk to anybody else. So you talk to him like he's 40 years old. And I said, I guess. I talked to him the same way I talked to anybody. And he said, well, I don't know. I, I talked to my daughter a little bit differently. I talked to her like she's a kid. Schumer talks to the public as if they're children. It's so irritating. I mean, again, I agree with what he's saying, and I'm irritated in the manner in which he say it. Listen to this. He, he's describing it can lead to confusion and misinformation. Oh, really? Misinformation? What's that, Senator? Oh, please, I, I, don't let me get off track here. Here's Senator Schumer in July. Curiosity for many Americans. And with that curiosity, sometimes comes misinformation. So my amendment will require the National Archive and Records Administration to create a collection of records from across government agencies that can be declassified for the public's use, similar to the approach used in 1992 with the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act. These records will carry a presumption of immediate disclosure, which means they can only remain classified with good reason. I thank my colleagues who worked with me on this legislation, Senator Rounds, Rubio, Heinrich, Gillibrand, and Young, for their partnership on this amendment. And as many know, my mentor and dear friend who I miss so much, Harry Reid, was passionate about this issue. And so were Senator Stevens and Inouye. So I'm glad we could get this into the manager's amendment. For these and many other reasons, I look forward to beginning floor consideration of the NDA bill today. The four things I've mentioned, dealing with fentanyl, dealing with competition with China. Well, so that's it. You get the part about the UAPs. I thought that was good. Now, I want to be very clear. Either the government knows about this stuff and they're keeping it secret from everybody or they don't. Let's assume that they do know about it, right? then I don't think you're going to see the people at the Pentagon who are keeping secret alien files and photographs of alien autopsies. I don't think you're going to see the people at the Pentagon say, oh, 
Oh, they, they just passed some legislation? Oh, take out the uh, alien bodies. Let's start doing tours in here. Of course not. These are agencies that are as bureaucratic as anything, and they're built, especially the intelligence community, on secrecy. But um, my view was it was like chicken soup. It doesn't hurt. So I don't know whether the government knows about this stuff or not. If they don't, then this legislation is not going to do much. But if they do, I still don't know that it does much. But I thought it was encouraging that you had this bipartisan group of five senators or six senators, if you include Schumer, push this forward, this sweeping legislation to declassify and release government information about UFOs. Good things. All good. And especially in an era where almost nothing's bipartisan, this is something that's a positive. The announcement coincided with and seemed to corroborate a series of extraordinary UFO-related developments. I, I think the most noteworthy was the uh, congressional testimony of David Grush, but also the article by Ralph Blumenthal, which we talked about, which has some of those same allegations in there. But now, have you heard what's happening? Have you heard what's happening? Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio, Republican. Congressman Mike Rogers of Alabama, Republican. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican. And the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, Republican, all appear poised to quash this bipartisan transparency initiative. Now, Schumer's bill was passed by the Senate unanimously, unanimously. And now these members of Congress, including with Mitch McConnell, I don't understand how he voted for that initially, but now he's not, are trying to squash this. Now, there's an interesting column in The Hill by Marek von Rennenkampf, who um, is a uh, he served as an analyst with the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of International Security and was an Obama administration appointee at the Department of Defense. And he raises the question. What's going on here? In the absence of good faith objections. In the absence of good reason to the core provisions of this historic legislation, remember, what was the most important question Larry King always asked? Why? Why are these guys doing this? Why are they squashing or trying to squash this bipartisan legislation that there's a ton of interest in by the public and that there's a bipartisan interest in seeing adopted? If there's nothing to hide, and if there's nothing to this UFO phenomenon, why would any member of Congress object to greater transparency and oversight? Especially oversight, and Ron, uh, this is in the Hill column that I just referenced, oversight from an executive branch that is prone to excessive and dangerous overclassification. But. Maybe there is something to hide. So I'm going to ask you the question, why? And I'll tell you one of the people that is rapidly becoming one of my favorite members of Congress. He's a Republican from Tennessee by the name of Tim Burchett. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was recently uh, 
elbowed in the back by um, or punched in the back by former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And he was answering some question uh, from the press when it came news that his colleagues were trying to squash this. This is what he said. And I was told by leadership that it was blocked by the intelligence community, not the intelligence committee. But the intelligence community, and that is a very chilling effect. If you, if you, reach, someone can reach through the veil of government and pierce it to the point of we do not have access to something, you've got to start asking yourself who the hell's in control. I want you to listen to that one more time because what Tim Burchett is saying there is right on the money, and especially that question he asks at the end who the hell is in control? Listen to what he says he was told. This is a United States congressman. He says that this was blocked not by a congressional committee, not by the democratically elected representatives of the people. He says this was blocked by the intelligence community. Listen to this. And I was told by leadership that it was blocked by the intelligence community, not the intelligence committee, but the intelligence community. And that is a very chilling effect. If you if you reach, someone can reach through the veil of government and pierce it to the point of we do not have access to something. You've got to start asking yourself who the hell's in control. Who is in control? Congressman Burchett continued. And I think it'd be wise for you all to start looking at some financial disclosures of some of those corporations, some of the people who do the stonewalling in this town. I want you to think about this. Think about this, that something with the capabilities of traveling light years, not showing uh, a heat signature, and the energy capabilities of that, that would put the Pentagon out of business. We wouldn't be fighting these worthless wars overseas over oil, and American boys and girls wouldn't be dying. It would put the war pigs out of business, and they'd have to go somewhere else, and I'm all for that. Think about what Burchett is saying. What Burchett is apparently saying is that there might be knowledge of technology that is so far advanced that you know, it would put the war pigs out of business. I thought it was really interesting, really interesting. I'll tell you what else I thought was interesting. And I want you to queue up um, and start answering that question. Why? Why are these guys trying to block something that is either totally harmless, right? Something that if there's nothing to it, there's nothing to it or incredibly significant at 800-848-9222. Is there something to hide? According to Schumer, a sweeping investigation led some in Congress to believe. Well, let me read it like Schumer would. Let me say it like Schumer would. So according to Schumer, a sweeping investigation led some in Congress to believe that the executive branch was concealing important information regarding UFOs over broad periods of time. Close quote. This is corroborated by the inspector general of the intelligence community who deemed a whistleblower's assertion that the government inappropriately concealed UFO related information from Congress credible and urgent. Moreover, as Senate Intelligence Vice Chair Marco Rubio noted in extraordinary detail. Several high-level officials with top security clearances have told congressional investigators of the existence of surreptitious government UFO retrieval and reverse engineering programs. That's Rubio. At the same time, 
10 ex-government officials, military officers, and scientists have alleged that the U.S. government has recovered at least one UFO. And yet this is being blocked by, as Tim Burchett said, the war pigs in the intelligence community. What's going on? 800-848-9222. Now, I, I don't generally do this, but I'm going to play a portion of a commentary that I just thought was so interesting and right on the money. And I, I have nothing that I could improve upon with this commentary. It's from Tucker Carlson on his Twitter show. Again, you're welcome to comment at 800-848-9222. Tucker Carlson in this commentary that I'm about to play you, and it's not the whole thing, it's just a portion of it. He's exposing many details of this UFO cover-up and allowing disclosure advocates like Congressman Burchett, who he recently had on a show, a platform to talk about this situation. So this is what this is how Tucker kind of sets up his interview with uh, Congressman Burchett. I thought it was really interesting, really well done, really well stated. And this is really when Tucker Carlson is at his best. Listen to this. Earlier this year, Congress passed something called the UAP Disclosure Act of 2023. The law requires the U.S. government to tell the public what it knows about the countless unidentified flying objects that have been spotted in the skies above Earth over the past 3,000 years. It's designed to be, and it very well could be, a transformative piece of legislation. And it comes at a time when we can finally say with confidence that the most unlikely-sounding theories about UFOs are actually true. Yes, these things are real. They're not all weather balloons. They're not experimental aircraft from this or any other country. Whatever they are, they are not of human origin, nor do they behave according to the laws of known physics. And yes, the U.S. government currently has physical evidence that they exist. That means wreckage of the craft as well as the bodies of the beings that flew them. Amazingly, all of this is true. We know that from the detailed testimony, much of it under oath, from several high-level whistleblowers, including longtime intel officers Lou Elizondo and Dave Grush, both of whom we've talked to. But there have been many, about 10 so far. So the question is, now that the UAP Disclosure Act has passed, when can the rest of us see the information that we paid for and in fact own? Well, not so fast, it turns out. One of the great secrets of Washington, known to everyone inside Washington, is that many of the most powerful members of Congress do not work for their constituents, much less for the rest of us, for the country at large. They are instead puppets of the most secretive federal agencies. They are controlled effectively by the permanent bureaucracy, including through bribery and blackmail. Two such members happen to be especially powerful this term. They are Congressman Mike Rogers of Alabama, who is the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, and Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio, who is chairman of the House Intel Committee. Both of these men have been instructed to violate, in letter and in spirit, federal law, and to hide the truth about UFOs from the American public. They're working to do that right now. It is infuriating to watch this. But if you think about it for a second, it's also baffling. Why is this happening? Federal agencies have been lying about UFOs for more than 80 years. This has been a coordinated effort. It is both highly time-consuming and very expensive. Many Americans have been hurt in the process. But why? What's the point of this? Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to release the facts? Now, the conventional explanation for why they haven't been released 
is that the U.S. government is lying about UFOs because the truth about UFOs is too scary to reveal, that they're real, and our leaders wouldn't want to panic the population. But that's not true. In fact, it's ridiculous. Wouldn't want to terrify the population? Terrifying the population is what our government does best and most avidly. Officials regularly gin up irrational fears about COVID or white supremacy or Vladimir Putin or a dozen other topics as part of a pretty obvious control strategy. It's not like these people mind scaring you. They want to scare you. Well, I'll, I'll put aside the they want to scare you aspect of this. I think Tucker raises several good points, and I'd love your answers to this. Why are they doing this? You have, I haven't heard any, honestly, sound objections to the bipartisan um, legislation that we're talking about here, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Disclosure Act. And this raises questions about the motivations of these Republicans that are now seeking to halt this legislation. Some of the most forceful opposition to this legislation comes from Turner, chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And Turner represents the congressional district that includes Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which features prominently and infamously in UFO history. So, I mean, if you just Google... Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and UFOs, a whole bunch of interesting stuff comes up there related to Project Blue Book. Is it just a coincidence? Maybe. Maybe. But if members of Congress are trying to make a hypothetical last-ditch effort to scuttle the disclosure of these secret government UFO programs, I guess this is where you would start. But um, I find this very disconcerting. You have a lot of citizens that are watching this, social media, documentaries, radio. But with Republicans generally distrustful of government, you would think they'd be natural ideological allies of any effort to expose government secrecy. So that's why this Republican opposition to the UAP Disclosure Act is so vexing, especially when they won't say why. What's it all about? Government secrecy potentially concealing one of the biggest stories in human history. Americans of all political stripes should be vocal advocates for government accountability and transparency, not just on this issue, on every issue, but especially this all right, we're going to continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Smoke on the water, deep purple. Today is the 78th birthday of uh, Roger Glover, who is the bassist for Deep Purple, who you can hear here on uh, probably, I would say, one of their most famous songs. Um, Certainly quite well done, if you ask me. Happy birthday, Roger Glover. 800-848-9222. Going to get to your calls in just a bit. I'm very excited. By the way, uh, we're very honored to be broadcasting on Talk 1400 WOND in Atlantic City. Very excited that uh, a mere 16 days from now, I will be returning to Atlantic City to do a little scouting for the location that we're having New Year's Eve Eve at this year. Hopefully I can uh, sneak in a um, you know nice dinner and uh, some drinks somewhere, uh, one of my favorite places to hang out. Um, but we'll see. You know, honestly, I'm so busy now. I, I, it's so much work to put together New Year's Eve Eve, but I've been doing it for so long. I don't feel like I can just stop. And honestly, I don't really have any free time. So in order to work on New Year's Eve Eve, I'm giving up the only thing that's flexible, really, which is um, sleep. So, but you know what it is? So many people look forward to this, and I look forward to it, and it is fun, but it's just so much work. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe this will be the last year. Now, it's probably not, but it it does involve a lot of work. So we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, interestingly enough, in Atlantic City, you know, the Piccadilly Pub is no more. That was one of the few 24-hour bars that was still left in Atlantic City. You still have the Irish pub, but um, now the new, what was at the location of the Piccadilly pub, they just opened as the King's pub. It just opened on Monday. And uh, I'm not sure if they're able to keep it open 24 hours, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking that place out because Piccadilly was an institution. He's got the Irish pub, which is 24 hours, and uh, a couple of places in casinos that are open 24 hours. But it's uh, few and far between. 
I'll, uh, but I am going to check out this place when I return on the 15th. All right, 800-848-9222. Let me say hi to Eddie in Babylon. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Let me tell you, you have a great show. Thank you. You really do. Uh, I want to pat you on the back. And also the segment that you did with your wife. Um, I think there's future in it. You're really an awesome team. You, you, uh, you married well, Frank. You did. I appreciate that. I will completely agree with you on that. <laughs> you know, it makes it, it gives you part of your demeanor. It really does, because I, I know within dating people, it would change my personality a bit. And a friend of mine said, do you want to live like this? Why are you still going out with her? <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy for you in that. Um, Barbara Berndell's book, I can't, wait to, I can't wait to read it when they speak with her. I, and I can't wait to read yours also. Um, I know it's not out yet, but grab a piece of paper and just start doing chapter headings of what's inside you, because I know you have a lot in there and you will have a good book one day. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, UFOs. Uh, I have some experiences, but you know, I think I've already called up on them. I saw, heard something recently, and this could be hearsay, but about what the government knows. Uh, it's concerning common DNA with the UFO bodies, let's say, the, the maybe the people they have, and us. I heard that we have common DNA, and that's the secret they're trying to keep. They don't want a, um, you know, mass panic or hysteria like War of the Worlds or. But or why would that cause? Let's say that's true. Why would that cause mass panic or hysteria? I don't know. I found it very interesting that we would have a common DNA, and I felt uh, kind of a calming effect. Like, huh? Okay, we're all part of the universe. That's good. Yeah, um, it's uh, it is interesting. Yeah, I don't think that that would result. In panic in the streets? No, no. Well, we don't, you know, you uh, you deal with the common public over the radio. Uh, you, you have a different uh, clientele. It's like people that call into Rita and people that call into uh, the, the fellow before you. He gets a lot of, um, 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 I don't know, Rita has a turn, Looney Kazoonies. But um, it's, you know, I, I would look at it as akin to finding out that all of us, all of the races of the earth, all the peoples came from a small place in Africa. That's where life started out. So we're all related um, in that in that aspect of uh, humanity and brotherhood and sisterhood. So it was nice for me to hear this person say that, well, we have a common aspect with, you know, these alien beings of such, you know, that um, are purportedly out there, but a lot of us... Haven't seen them. Well, uh, I think most of us haven't. Eddie, thanks for your nice comments okay. about the show, and uh, especially my wife, Rachel. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I have no idea what the truth is, but I do know that what these members of Congress are doing in bottling up this legislation is rotten. Hey, uh, speaking of politics, I had chronicled in New Jersey how the Republicans in the state legislative elections did not do very well. They should have done much better, and they didn't. But where they did do well was in a lot of local offices and a lot of um, municipal offices. And um, one of the things that happened was the fellow known as Tokyo Joe, Joseph O'Donohue, a Republican township committeeman in Atlantic County, did something never before achieved in the history of the Atlantic County Sheriff's Office on Election Day. 
with his election over Democratic incumbent Eric Scheffler, that's the current sheriff, the man they call Tokyo Joe because of his mixed Irish and Japanese heritage is the first, and I can't believe this, and I had to look this up, he is the first former Atlantic County Sheriff's Officer to become sheriff. And he's going to be sworn into that new position on January 1st. So Tokyo Joe worked in the sheriff's office from 1983 to 2002, worked his way to being a fugitive detective. He was also a union representative for the uh, sheriff's office, partly because the sheriff is an elected position. The Atlantic City native, Tokyo Joe, said outsiders had always been in charge of running the department. Every time a new sheriff took over, they would change everything. So I think it's actually going to be a positive development that that he is experienced in the goings-on in that sheriff's office and what goes on there. Because clearly one of the first problems people bring up when you talk about Atlantic County is crime. And the sheriff is an important component of that. You know, speaking of crime, anybody that doesn't think election fraud is real needs to take a visit to Atlantic City because every election there is seemingly, at least in part, determined by Craig Calloway, someone who actually went to, used to be the president of the city council, then he went to prison for voter fraud. Now he's out and essentially seems like he's doing the same thing. But in the fifth ward, the incumbent candidate in that council race inched a bit closer to re-election after the Atlantic County Board of Elections finished processing mail-in and provisional ballots. The Democratic Councilman Mohammed Zia was ahead of his challenger, Republican Maria Laca, and it looks like it's a done deal, but uh, Zia was ahead by 13 votes following election night, and now it looks like he's got a much more comfortable margin. But Craig Calloway was able to avoid subpoenas in this other case, Involving another separate council race that's going on. I mean, it's just such a mess over there. Such a mess. So, I don't know. 800-848-9222. You know, I saw that, uh, you're familiar with the Schultz Hill Foundation? The uh, Gary Gary Hill and um, his partner, who's his, you know, life partner, but also partners in their philanthropic endeavors. They have this $6 million office building, excuse me, $10.9 million high rise and home. And they are putting it up for sale for $10.9 million. You know, I'm thinking of reaching out to Gary Hill and John Schultz. If maybe we can have the after party for New Year's Eve Eve there. I don't know why they would let us. But if they're selling it anyway, maybe that'll add a little value to the property. Maybe they can get it up to $11 million. I've never been inside. I've heard it. I'm told it's just very elaborate. Diana is in Manhattan. Hi, Diana. Hi, and I agree with Eddie. You have a great show. The competition, you know what I mean, is no competition at all. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Anyway, regarding the UFOs, um, yeah, because if we knew... Everything that uh, extraterrestrials have been here since the dawn of time, that maybe we were seeded by them. Uh, we would, uh, most government institutions and religion would be irrelevant. We would see that we've been sold a bill of goods for millennia and that 
you know, they knew that and they did it anyway to govern and control and instill fear. Um, so is that what you think what would, would happen with people, that they would just throw off the, the shackles of all their governments? No, I think that, uh, uh, well, okay, war of the worlds. Now, people are infinitely more sophisticated now than they were in 1938. We've been prepared by countless science fiction films, and or are they really fiction? One wonders. Uh, Steven Spielberg, for example, seems to know more than he's letting on. But anyway, but no, I, I think some people would cling to fundamentalism for dear life. They would say, oh, this is demonic. This is, you know, what they usually say about. Uh, no, I, I don't think it would cause a panic. I think it would be it would uh, cause us to become closer to a utopian society. Human nature is always going to be human nature. There will always be selfishness, greed, murder, all sorts of things. But ultimately, I think we would grow immeasurably from knowing that extraterrestrials are here. And I think most of us know it anyway. And I think that this ridiculous governmental control is just that, ridiculous. And I think that perhaps some other nation might like to blow the whistle and tell everything. I think that would be wonderful, but supposedly we are governed by some kind of Illuminati one-world government, and that is not likely to happen. What do you think? Well, look, I, I don't know, honestly, Diana. I, um, I, I have no idea. I, the one thing I'll add, based on what you said, is that War of the Worlds broadcast from 1938, where... In popular culture, the uh, historical record shows that uh, Orson Welles was doing this War of the Worlds broadcast, which they said was staged. They did not make out like it was real, but some people apparently missed the disclaimer. They The, the claim is that that caused all sorts of panic, and indeed the newspapers did report that. The newspapers reported that there was all sorts of panic. But based on the historical record, it doesn't look like there was widespread panic. What it looks like this was was yellow journalism. Newspapers were terrified of the competition from radio at the time for eyeballs and being a source of information and entertainment. And so newspapers had an interest in in making radio look like it was destructive. So the front page of the New York Times was indeed, the next day, radio listeners in panic taking war drama as fact. But except for the newspaper reports, people who lived through it said that it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big big deal at all. So I I don't think, I think that's one of those things kind of like all the mass suicides that supposedly took place during the Great Depression of people um, jumping out the window when the stock market crashed. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, that uh, Benjamin Franklin really wanted the turkey to be the national bird of the United States really didn't happen. So the history is filled with things that didn't really happen. And I think the War of the Worlds broadcast was one. And, you know, it's almost, uh, well, I'll save that story for another day. 800-848-9222. Nick is in Weehawken. Hello, Nick. 
Hey, Frank. I was just uh, floating around this idea with my brother, actually. Uh, what if catching one of these little UFOs or figuring out the technology behind it can somehow lend itself to creating some type of a, just people always think in terms of like unlimited free energy, but couldn't that also lend itself to creating some type of a mega bomb, mega weapon? And maybe it turns out that they're not super advanced or maybe they are, but maybe there's a way you reverse technology. There's a way for humans to recreate it. We have terrorist organizations that, you know, can generate millions of dollars. They have laboratories in their basements and stuff. What if they could somehow, and maybe they don't want other countries trying to shoot these things down because maybe shooting one of these things down is just a few years away from some kind of a mega weapon. So take me through, and I can I can dig everything that you're saying. Take me through your thought process, though. How does keeping whatever whatever information they have secret, how does that stop another country from shooting one of these things down? Well, maybe they're not interested in shooting them down now just because the idea, you know, they're just not interested in shooting them down because they don't, they don't, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they, they could be wanting to shoot them down just to get a boost in the technology. But maybe the, the rush to hiding everything is, my God, if, if they figure this out, you could easily make something that dwarfs the nuclear bomb using this technology. And it could be done in a basement somewhere with a bunch of guys that have just a few million dollars, maybe even less. Interesting. Uh, that is interesting, Nick. Uh, and it does give you a lot to think about. Thank you. I, I still wonder about what Tim Burchett said here. That maybe having this these uh, incredible craft that can run on what seems like I don't even know what kind of energy fusion energy or some sort of energy that we don't even conceive of yet. It might make it so that you don't have to have any more of these future wars for oil. This is, again, Republican Congressman from Tennessee, Tim Burchett. And I think it'd be wise for you all to start looking at some financial disclosures of some of those corporations, some of the people who do the stonewalling in this town. I want you to think about this. Think about this, that something with the capabilities of traveling light years, not showing uh, a heat signature, the energy capabilities of that, that would put the Pentagon out of business. We wouldn't be fighting these worthless wars overseas over oil, and American boys and girls wouldn't be dying. It would put the war pigs out of business, and they'd have to go somewhere else, and I'm all for that. I think I am, too. 800-848-9222. Uh, that's uh, 800-848-9222. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. Someone watching your footsteps 
The Vogues. All right. 800-848-9222. That is uh, 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on anything we are talking about. You know, I'm going to get back to your calls in a moment. But um, uh, some very uh, sad news. The rate of suicide in this country is reaching, has reached a record high. And this is something that uh, I think can only be described as as alarming. But America's mental health crisis drove suicides to a record number last year, nearly 50,000. Think about that. 50,000 people in this country took their own life last year. That's according to a tally from the National Center for Health Statistics. The agency said the final count would likely be much higher or higher. The suicide rate of 14.3 deaths per 100,000 people, it reached its highest level, not just the raw numbers, but as a percentage, since 1941. Ugh, I just I hate to hear that. This is something that is going in the wrong direction. Uh, why do you think suicides in the U.S. are at an all-time high? And it, the rates for certain demographic groups, like American Indians, Alaskan Natives, they're even higher than average. I don't, so I don't know if there's also a cultural component here or if it's tied to the socioeconomic aspect of this. Awful. Uh, by the way, if you are feeling depressed or if you are feeling, heaven forbid, suicidal... You can call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 988. Operators available 24 hours a day. 988. 800-848-9222. Tom is in Baltimore. Hi, Tom. Yes, I just wanted to back you up on the war of the world scenario. Uh, my mother was 11 years old in 1938. She was a very intelligent young girl. And her observation of the adults around her was that nobody was taking it seriously. And the counter-programming that night was uh, the Charlie McCarthy, the Edgar Bergen. Charlie McCarthy was like a, a puppet, right? Sure. And the the joke was that the smart people were watching the dummy and the dummies were watching War of the World. Oh, that's, well, that's very funny. You know, it's funny. A couple of things happened. As I mentioned, the newspapers, including the newspaper of record, the Times, they played up the panic. They, they reported it as if it was a panic. And then initially uh, Orson Welles, and thanks for the call, Tom, and the insight there, Orson Welles was not crazy about this. He didn't love that they were saying this because he didn't want to deal with lawsuits and there were complaints to the FCC and things like that. Um, Then he recognized, remember, he was only 23, 24 years old at the time. He recognized the incredible um, good this could do for his image as a storyteller and as a creative genius and a guy that could work people into a frenzy. So he then embraced the myth. Within a year or two, he went from saying it didn't happen, at least privately, to telling people, to exaggerating it even more. And then you know who else embraced it? CBS. 
CBS that aired the Mercury Radio Theater, they embraced it. They found the reports useful in promoting the strength of their influence. So you have the newspapers, Orson Welles, and CBS all interested in promoting the same story. And look, even as early as 1940, there is some academic scholarship that supported that people did go crazy. There are very few contemporary accounts that back that up. So there were a few FCC complaints. Nothing like the Janet Jackson incident, though. Nothing like it. Um, it's interesting. There's been a couple of documentaries about it, and um, I, I haven't I, I haven't seen any in a while, but... I have looked into this pretty closely, and it looks like it would. there were some people that were confused, but there was not panic in the streets. Not at all. 800-848-9222. Alex is in California. Hi, Alex. Well, hi, uh, Frank. Thanks for taking my call. I just had two comments about Henry Kissinger. The first one is uh, no amount of success later in life can ever wash away the blood of Southeast Asians that Henry Kissinger's policies uh, maimed or killed. And my second comment is I looked up uh, Henry Kissinger's background. He obtained his political training primarily from Harvard University, where he also served for two decades as a professor before uh, becoming an advisor for Richard Nixon. I hope that the uh, p- uh, presidential candidates in this current cycle will consider going outside of the traditional places like Harvard and Stanford to tap, to look for expertise. Uh, so I would hope they would like go to perhaps Caltech or MIT. These are places that people don't look to, but, but I think uh, we need fresh out of the box thinking. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think those are all good points. I, I can't disagree with, uh, with anything that you said there. And, uh, you know, again, it was originally the Rockefellers that, um, that first got, Kissinger into the world of politics. Kissinger was the foreign policy advisor to the presidential campaigns of Nelson Rockefellers because he had worked for the Rockefeller Brothers Fund as director of um, something. And then he became an advisor to Nelson Rockefeller when Nelson was running in 60, 64, and 68. And then when it was clear that uh, Rockefeller wasn't going to be the nominee in 68, that's when he made the move over to Nixon, who he had met at a party and he described as more thoughtful than he expected. So it is what it is. I uh, did not. Yeah, I was not. I'm not saying that anything that Kissinger did undid his misdeeds at all. But I think you have to view a man through the totality of what he did, not the worst incident. Keep asking questions. 